What's up, social fam? I hope you're doing well wherever you're watching this from. I am here with the lovely Taylor Madu. Hello. How are you feeling today? You know, I'm feeling great. Great to be in the room Come next on. to you. You look good. Thank you, babe. What is this? Sheepskin. It is um, Zara. That's shout what it out, is. Shout out Zara, yes. our sponsors. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, today is going to be a significant day because we're going to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, our church has been in a series called God Loves Blank, mm -hmm. and it's been a phenomenal series. Yeah. This is part two of this series, and we've been learning how to love better. Mm -hmm. It is impossible to say you're a follower of Jesus and then you don't love people. In John chapter 13, Jesus says, they will know you are my disciples, not by how you jump up and down in church, not by how you do the Holy Ghost two-step, but how you love other people. Yeah. And so today, we're going to have what I think is a necessary conversation that the church doesn't have. Because mm -hmm. we were raised in church, mm -hmm. and being in church, sometimes there's some stuff you didn't talk about. Yeah. It was like, this is off topic. We don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about sex. Mm -hmm. We don't talk about homosexuality. We don't talk about addiction. Just, we don't talk about sin. We don't talk about, <laughs> we don't sin. Talk about sin. Other than other than just stop it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stop doing it. We're not having any conversations, yeah. which I think is crazy because to me, the church mm -hmm. should be the safest place to have conversations. Conversations are critical. Jesus did not just preach and teach in the synagogue. Often throughout the Bible, you would see him sitting down with people yeah. and just having a conversation, yeah. which always blows my mind because he knew everything. He knew what you were about to say before you answered it, but yeah. yet he stopped to listen. And to me, part of love is just listening to people and hearing people's stories. And we're going to do that today. I am so excited about our mm -hmm. guests today. They're already yeah. friends of ours. Best friends. And this is going to be a conversation that is going to change somebody's life. Yeah. If you're tuning in, lean in right now. Matter of fact, get your phone, text somebody, tell them you got to watch Social Dallas right now. Yes. But I'm so grateful, grateful mm -hmm. for our topic today. Part two is God loves the LGBTQ. God loves yes. the LGBTQ. And I'm happy to introduce two new friends of ours, yes. Angel and Luis. Welcome to Social Dallas. Yes. Come on, y'all. So, so glad that you're here. We had a studio audience, you know, they would clap, you yes. know. Come on, studio yes. audience. Give us, give us a little clap. <laughs> How are y'all? We're good. We're back in Dallas. We love coming to Dallas. Come so, on. It's an honor to Would be here. Would you say Dallas is your favorite city of all the cities that you've been to? That's what I heard. Sure. I read that somewhere. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is today. <laughs> oh, y'all are moving here, right? Because you love us. So uh -huh. you're going to move here and yeah, come to girl. Social Dallas. Oh, yeah. We can go shopping together. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're, we're we're shop, yeah. For sure. Our <laughs> so we are, we are so honored yeah. to have you both here. So glad Thank that you're here. You. Excited. Uh, to get into your stories and learn more about you. But mm -hmm. you had some qu questions that you just wanted to start out the gate with. Yeah, we're going to just jump, honestly, right into it, if y'all are okay with that. We At Social Dallas, we're sure. pretty just intense, ready to dive on in, you know? Let's so um, I'll start with you. Do you prefer a cat or a dog? Dog. <laughs> dog okay, a dog? <laughs> dog. Why are I you a dog one. person? Well, I have a dog. She's tiny. She Her name is Rosalinda. Oh. But I call her Rosie. Rosalinda. Period. <laughs> I, I got it from a soap opera. <laughs> like, <it's not laughs> Rosalinda. Wait, like, I have to call her that. I just like that name. What kind of dog uh, is Rosalinda? She is mixed. She's Chinese crested with Chihuahua, but she looks like a sna uh, schnauzer. She is classy. But she is. Oh. She she's, is. She's just like her dad. Hey, what about you? Cat or dog? Dogs. 
dogs. Yeah. Do you have a dog? I don't. I used to have a dog. Um, traveling around, it's just been hard to... Do you want a dog? Because we have a golden doodle <laughs> that oh, yeah, <laughs> needs some psychological help. Yeah. And I'm trying to get rid of him. He's trying to get rid of him, but we're actually getting another dog next week. No, he doesn't know about this it. This has not been. We, we're we still dog next week. I put a deposit down already. So <laughs> That is very true. We're, we're talking about Dogs are so expensive. They, they are. are. They're like yeah, a child. Yeah. They're yeah, like they a really child. Really like yes. Appointments, a haircut. Yeah. Like a down payment on a car. <laughs> No, so she's talking about getting us a Rottweiler. Yes. Okay. Uh, so at least we can have some protection because right now our current dog, Theo, would do nothing <laughs> no. if somebody broke into our house. So <laughs> that's still up for debate. I didn't know you put the deposit down. Though. I did. So um, what is it? Bruno is on the way next week. So we'll keep you up to date, Bruno. <laughs> um, favorite meals? I would have to say uh, Puerto Rican food. Oh. Yeah, I just mom makes it so good. It's what so, is Puerto Rican food like? Arroz con habichuela, pollo frito, Ooh. mofongo. I don't know what it, I don't know <laughs> what it is, but it sounds. <laughs> but it sounds good. You we'll have to yes. yeah, we'll have to make some. Yes, you too. Yeah. So I love. I have top three. I love Mexican food. Uh huh. Shout out Caribbean, but in the Caribbean you have like Puerto Rican, Jamaican. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So I just put that into one. Yeah. And seafood. Oh okay, love fried seafood. shrimp. All that. You love it. All that Babe, what's your favorite food? Mexican. Mexican, Mexican I knew that. For sure, all day. Yes. I could eat that all the time. Mm, yeah. And then uh, Italian would be number two. Mm. Yes, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good Italian food, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, let's let's get into this conversation. Um, I first would just love to know, maybe starting with you, Angel, tell us about your childhood. You know, anytime you meet a person, there's always a history that came behind the person that you're meeting, like, yeah. tell us about your childhood, how you grew up. Yeah, I was born and raised in church. I was born and raised in Pentecostal hardcore. Oh, come on. So, you Me know, too. the long hair, skirts, no makeup. Wow. <laughs> Even the men, like, no beards, only mustache, really? no fades. Like, it was like... Shouting, running around the church, uh, yeah, everything. which that I loved. Like, ever since I was a child, like, I used to hate when they would have the kids go to the back, like, when the Holy Spirit broke out, like, they would, they would, they would always bring the kids to the back, I would shout and scream and be like, no, I'm staying in the in the mess that's going on. Oh, come on. I don't want to go back <laughs> like, there. I want to see it. I don't want to be back there, mom. <laughs> I used to love, I, you know, but that's just what I grew up with, you know, and having my, my parents instruct me in the word of God, like yeah. every night, yeah. helping me pray and all that stuff. So I just grew up like that. And ever since at a young age, I knew that I was struggling um, with my identity and my sexuality yeah. ever since I young age i can remember like the age of five wow. like uh, wow. already thinking something's wrong with me hmm. nothing has happened i just feel a different way than other boys yeah um but because i had that seed already planted in me at a young age i already knew like to pray to god and, yeah. and already have these conversations yeah. nowadays we love to talk to parents because the things that you share with your kids, um, uh, they do remember. They do yeah. retain it. It is planted in their hearts. Because mm. I remembered every word that my parents told me. And I knew who to run to Man. when I was feeling a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so, you know, at a young age, I was already going through a lot that my parents didn't know. Mm -hmm. Did you ever feel like this contradiction? Because like you said, at the age of five, you knew you had same-sex attraction. Mm -hmm. But then you're in church hearing the word of God. I know I hear you say you knew who to run to, but was there like, was there shame? Was there a tension? Like, what did that feel like mm -hmm. in being in that environment, being in church and knowing at a young age that you already yeah. had that? Did you ever um, hear anybody talk about it, any conversations about it? Yeah, um, growing, up, uh, um, growing up in, in the type of church that I was at, you know, 
like you would hear about it, but it was a quick, you know, you're going to hell if you're living in this lifestyle. It wasn't anything about, hey, we want to journey with you. Ready? What yeah. do you think? Because like we talked about this before. We were raised in church, both of us. Never heard anybody talk about homosexuality at all, unless it was, don't do it, stop, you're going mm-hmm. to hell. Why, when we serve a God that created us, created our sexuality, why do you think it's difficult for people in the church to talk about it? It's just that, that they don't know. Um, I think they want to. I just think that, you know, right now it's a cool thing, but when I grew up, it wasn't. And so Mm. I remember you even said the word gay and you get beat up for it or, you know, um, there was a lot of shame and condemnation that came with it. And so even for me, um, growing up in a house where uh, my dad was in the army and so I was his only son. We were living in Germany. And so a lot of times where he was out, I was left with my mom and my sister and I was picking up mannerisms and just I was only with them. And so, you know, I always laugh and tell people it's not like the enemy came to my bedroom when I was little and said, here's a checklist, you know, check all the things that you want me to tempt you with, you know. And I feel like at a young age, um, um, I didn't ask for this, you know, I didn't get to choose. You know, I'm so thankful, though, that I get to respond now um, to God's word. And so it just uh, growing up with confusion and my dad um, was very uh, he was raped when he was young. And so because he was uh, molested, he didn't want to show me a certain type of affection and emotion. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to get close to me because he felt that if he did that, that I would turn into the very thing he hated. Mm -hmm. And so I remember just growing up, um, not getting that from him and. Um, then, uh, we became Christians. We started going to church. And so I grew up in the church as well. And just like you said, I remember just wanting that conversation to be brought up. You know, we love the prostitute. We love the drug addicts, Mm -hmm. the liars. But when it came to homosexuality, it was like, you're going to hell in a handbasket or you're getting AIDS. You know, it was just so much like hate with it. I remember just growing up with that and just struggling with my sexuality and just when you don't find answers in the house you'll find it outside and so I went outside looking for them I went outside to the LGBTQ and um, you know I also say that when the church doesn't demonstrate love they'll find a counterfeit love outside when you don't find a family inside the church you'll find one outside of the church and so I was looking and I found answers in the wrong place I love that you say that like people are going to find community and find answers yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And I think that's why today is so critical yeah. and so necessary yeah. because anything that the church is quiet about, the world is gonna be louder about. Yeah. They're gonna wrap their arms around you and say, hey, come to us. And that's why I'm glad we're pausing today to yeah. say, let's have this conversation. Because I'm yeah. imagining how many people, even though it's more talked about today, are sitting there watching going, man, I have the same sex attraction, I have struggles, I have issues, and I have no safe place to go, who do I process this with? Who do I talk about? And so mm-hmm. I just want to pause and say thank y'all yeah. <laughs> for yeah. being here today and just for your ministry to have the bravery to go, you know what? I didn't have it growing up, mm. but I'm going to change yeah. the culture and say, hey, let's speak up and let's be loud about it. Yeah, yeah and I think um, affirmation is something really important that we need to have as children. Mm. So I think for me, yeah. even being young, it didn't help that because the way that I was, people kind of, treated me as the girl or like mm-hmm. he's going to be gay or you know because I was just different I was mm-hmm. I was I already loved creative things I loved you know all that stuff and like I think a, a dad even seeing his son if he likes to dance or he likes clothes and all yeah. that stuff affirm him as a man you know say you're a beautiful man of God yeah yes you're creative yes you like these things it doesn't make you any less of a man I Absolutely. think doing that already as a young age is really important because even um 
Like for me, I loved everything opposite from what the boys loved. Yeah. You know, um, for example, I remember as a young kid, I would grab my sister's dolls and I would just start um, to play with them. But the thing was that I was very different. I would play church. So I was like, Alisa was Holy Spirit, you know? <laughs> Barbie, I would, like, you about to be slain in the spirit. Right? I would grab the dolls and just start going like this. And like that. You know, and, I love it. and my dad would be, <laughs> would be so mad. He's like, stop playing with that. I'm like, but I'm playing church. I like, get her in the spirit. Like, mm. it, like, it was something, it was, it was like innocent. Like, I didn't even think about it as in, I want to be a girl, so I'm playing this. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a thing that I was like, oh, those are cool. Like, let me play church with them. And, and growing up, I kind of just... To please my dad, I wanted to do everything that he did, not what I did. Yeah. Because I wasn't really affirmed yeah. in, in who I was mm -hmm. as a man of God, but still loved shiny things like glitter, like sequin, yeah. like all these things. But because the world and even close people to me always, you know, they were like, that's not really boy stuff. Don't do this. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just started being someone that I, I was not, mm -hmm. wow. you know, and then that, um, that creates something that we learned to lie, to deceive people yeah. because people just look at us like, okay, you like this? Well, you're gay, yeah. you know? And I think right. um, because of that, it starts at a young age already, yeah. you know, all, you know, the way that people look at you, the way that people treat you where you're like, okay, well then I am gay. Yeah. I, I think I do have s same sex attraction. So I think affirmation at a young age yeah. is have power. so needed, yeah, so important absolutely. right now. My mind is going so fast right now because I'm thinking of like what you said is so critical because I'm looking at Jesus here he is 30 years old he's in the Jordan River he's getting baptized and this is a moment before his ministry this is the son of God and he gets a verbal affirmation mm. from his father yeah. saying this is my beloved son yeah. in whom I'm well pleased and that's just been something I've always gone to because I'm like if Jesus needed the affirmation of his father to know his identity to know who he was before he stepped into his call how much more mm. do we need somebody yeah. to be that voice to say, this is who you are. I'm calling this out of you. Uh, we were joking, my, my son the other day, he was, somebody was throwing a football at him and I, I hadn't played football with, with my son. He is a creative. And so she was laughing. She was like, we might have to uh, work on the football thing because I, I, somebody threw a football to him and hit him in the face. And I was like, that's cool. Like busted in the face. And I looked at me and said, I said, that's cool. That's my creative. He's about to write songs because yeah. he'll be singing and all that. And so I love what you said about if parents and the church community can say, yeah. hey, this is who you are and be that voice. Be that voice that we all need. Yes. What yeah. what would you say to a parent right mm. now? Because I both hear I hear stories of like, man, my this was spoken of, over me, or wanting the physical mm. affection of a father. I'm thinking about a parent right now that their child has come to them, got the bravery to come to them to say, hey, I have same sex attraction. Um, what's something practically a parent could do in that it's moment? It's not easy at first, you know, it's not easy to even have that conversation. So um, just to understand where that child is, to be able to face you, knowing the beliefs that you have, the faith mm -hmm. that you have, and what the word says to even just say, hey, mom and dad, I'm struggling with same-sex attraction. And so having that understanding um, and sitting with them and, and listening, sometimes we're so quick to just throw Bible verses and so Man. quick to just, and sometimes they just want to be heard, yeah. Yeah. you know, sometimes they just... And even just by you listening, you're able to pick up as a parent little nuggets that yeah. you can use to talk to them about, you know, um, what you believe in. And so it should always be a two-way street. And mm. um, when we speak to parents around and, and they come to us a lot, actually, actually, we get more parents than actually people that struggle with same-sex mm. attractions. Really? And so yeah. um, 
they're hungry to know, you know, how to do this. And so even building a community of other parents, community is important, um, where they can talk and they can pray and even have people like us kind of like walk with them. I remember before I was going to a podcast, I felt like the Lord dropped on my heart. Like I'm sending interpreters to a country, a, a, a distant country. And I was like, what does that even mean? I'm going, I'm going out or I'm going to a country. Yeah, What's yeah, going? Yeah. And in this vision, um, people from church, old and young, um, were trying to look at a menu and trying to read the menu and they couldn't understand it. They, they were trying to buy clothes and they couldn't understand it because it was in a different language. Wow. I felt like the Lord was saying, no, what I'm trying to tell you is that I'm sending people that used to be in the LGBTQ into these churches to interpret, to show them language on what this looks like so that people, prodigals can come home. What was your relationship like with the church as an adult? So um, so as I grew up, um, I I grew up to be 18 on fire for the Lord. I had pushed the feelings to the side because I was like, no, like this is the right way to live. I'm going to live with you, Jesus. Um, you know, and I grew up to be on fire, but as, as the years went, these temptations, these feelings just grew more and more and more. But being at that time, there was no openness. There was no realness, Mm -hmm. no transparency in the church at all at that time. And I had no one to open up to, to talk to. Um, and there was a comment that was made by one of my friends I had two girl best friends. It was always us three at the church. We would sing together, always be together. Mm-hmm. But one of them said, Angel, you're just like the gay best friend that girls can have. And that was something that was spoken over me that really affected me at that moment because mm-hmm. it was in church. Wow. Even being on fire for the Lord, even you know, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, receiving tongues. But then in this same place I'm hearing these things and that kind of I'm that affected me a lot and you know it was like if I was a ticking time bomb where like I just these feelings just grew more and more and then um when I was 18 my parents uh, um they got a divorce and I just took that time as an open door to tell the Lord well you allowed this to happen I'm gonna go ahead and just live in the lifestyle that I've been wanting to live like I'm done with church um and I left. I went head on into the lifestyle. I did everything that I wanted to do. Um, but in that, I missed worshiping. I missed Jesus. I missed church. So a year after, I actually came back to church. And I was like, Lord, I'm going to give it a try. I'm going to try this one more time. And I remember I prayed. I fasted. I joined the worship team. I was going hardcore for the Lord. But yet again, now I'm hearing men talk about other gay men or talk about guys who were more sensitive and more soft and you know but it was not in um, in a good way so again I, I built this wall and I'm like Lord I can't talk to anyone like there's still no openness here like I, I feel pushed aside I feel like I'm different and after a year I was like Lord I, I tried my best yeah I said Lord I love you I did everything that I could but these temptations aren't going away you know because the church taught me that freedom is when everything goes away and that's it you're good to wow. go you're perfect yeah yeah. and i was not feeling that and man. i said lord this is just who i am wow i'm a gay man yeah. and i told him i i love you and i made a pact i was like i will never sing in the world and i will never get in a relationship with a man i'm just gonna live in the lifestyle and i made that pact 
with the Lord. And I was like, Lord, because I know in the future, someday I'll come back to you. Wow. And I went and I left church again and I went into the lifestyle. And it's so true what it says in the word that the spirits are going to come back to test and see if you're empty, if your house is empty and bring his friends. Because this time I felt like everything was just way more intense than the first time that I left church. Just everything um, into the homosexual lifestyle, into drugs, alcoholism, just everything was more intense. The things that I said that I was not going to do, I was doing. But the beauty of all this is that the Lord still was encountering me. I still had a connection. Like you would think being in the lifestyle, um, being in the gay lifestyle, doing all these things, crazy lifestyle that that um, that that communication would stop. But it didn't. Like I would still have my moments where I would talk to the Lord in my room. I would I would get on my knees and pray. I would yeah. put on worship music in the car and I would just start to weep under the presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where I was having spiritual warfare as well, like fighting in my room while I'm living in the gay lifestyle, but I'm still, I still had this authority and power over me that yeah. I could cast out demons, that I could still do. And I I'm like, so. Lord, I don't understand where this is coming from. Like now I do. Right. But at that time, I'm like, Lord, what is this? Like I'm not living for you. Why, why, why do I still have this authority over these things? And I call them out and I say, you know, in the name of Jesus, I'm covered by the blood. Come on. Even living in the lifestyle, and I couldn't understand those things going on. Can, I just, can we talk about that right there? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because, you know, I think there's a book mm-hmm. and it kind of talks about the relationship between the church and the LGBTQ community. And it just comes against this false notion that the people in the LGBT community are these heathenistic, atheist people who have never been in a church before. Mm -hmm. But like, I love hearing you say that because they are, uh, these are, I think it's like 86% of people from the LGBT community were in church. Yeah. Yeah. Like they know the script. They can preach better than most of us on this this platform. And so I just love to hear you say that. Like you're still crying out to God. You're still having worship Mm -hmm. moments, you know, while that's going on. But I kind of want to go back a little bit because you said, you know, you would try to have those conversations with people and they were just a wall. Like, what exactly was that? Was there, how did people respond to you when you actually got the bravery to be transparent in the church? Was it just a shunning? Was it not an yeah. openness to hear? Yeah, like, it was It was like? more just that awkwardness. Like, yeah. like they would be open, but it's like, mm, okay. Like, they were, okay, I need something. I need uh, I need a conversation. It was just like, okay, um, let's move on to the next conversation. Or they just... They didn't know what to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't know. Like, all they knew uh, was uh, the verses that were in the Bible and that if I don't fix my life, Son I'm not Engel. going to heaven. Right, like, yeah, that's exactly. it. And I'm like, yeah. I get that. Those are true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I need I need relationship. I need yeah. something. I Healing. need someone yeah. to journey with me. I need yeah. someone to stand with me and, and cry with me and have yeah. compassion because that's what we need is compassion for yeah. each other. Yeah. Like, I need to mourn when you mourn. I need to rejoice when you rejoice. Like, it's in the Bible. Yeah. That's what we're called to do as a family, as brothers and sisters. Like, that's what I needed. Yeah. And none of that was even from the pastor. like it just wasn't there you know so again if you don't find the people that love you in the church you're going you're going to find it outside was that your experience as well too like anytime you tried to yeah yeah so just you know yeah growing up in the church i wanted you know i would go into men's group and they could talk about pornography they could talk about women and i mean sometimes they get a little too and but when it came to what i was struggling with when i rose my hand and i said hey guys i have same-sex attractions it was like crickets in the room. I remember just 
wanting that affection, wanting healing, wanted the attention of men so that they could speak identity and walk me into that journey mm -hmm. of what that looks like for healthy kingdom masculinity. And it was like, they loved me, they kissed me on the forehead, they hugged me. But when I said I had same sex attractions, it was like a far distant handshake. And like, like if I had a plague, yeah. like if they were gonna get COVID homosexuality or something, you know, and it was just. <laughs> so we laugh because some men act like, oh, like, oh, yeah. okay. Like it's good. You weren't even my type in the world. <laughs> at, at all. Relax. At all. <laughs> not even women down. like you. Down. It's not even Relax. you, <laughs> Not even you women even like my, you. You like, weren't in my radar at all, so. <laughs> thank you. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Continue, I have to yeah. say that. <laughs> It's, it's true. true. Like, yeah. it's like, 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 oh my gosh, no, bro, not even you. You, you can get me. I'm like, boy, yeah. you can get as close as you can. Nothing. <laughs> not, like, yeah. No. But yeah. That yeah. It, it, and that's that's what it all boiled down to is that you know um, we could as men we have to take down those walls down and stop mm -hmm. being homophobic Christians. Yes. And that if you could wash the feet of the prostitute, the drug addict, then you can also wash the feet yeah. of a transgender person yes. or a drag queen coming into the church. Because yeah. honestly, that's what we were seeking. We were seeking yeah. more male affection, attention in a godly way, mm -hmm. because the enemy perverted that in our lives and we lost. Yeah our identities and so um yeah yeah that that hypocrisy is what blows my mind yeah. in the church it's like if somebody has a different like flavor of sin mm -hmm. than we have it's like oh i can't i can't relate to it and like mm -hmm. my mind just goes bible you remember when jesus comes to raise lazarus from the dead raise him from the dead mary martha this is their brother who mm -hmm. they want mm -hmm. to experience his resurrection and the first thing he says is move the stone Move the stone away. He's about to raise us from the dead. And they're like, Lord, but it's going to stink. It's been mm. four days. I'm thinking if this is my brother that has died, and you know the power that Jesus has, and he's saying move the stone away, I have no apprehensions to whatever mm -hmm. he wants to do. But the first thing out of Martha's mouth is like, ah, Lord, but it's been four days. It's going to stink. Mm. I remember reading that. I'm like, that's what happens in the church. Yeah. Jesus has the power to bring resurrection life. Yes. But it's like people don't want to get close yeah. to the stink. And it's like, as long as I stay distant, I'm good. And if I'm really real, and that's why people don't open up and share. And so if nothing else happens from this moment today, I think if those of you who are watching mm -hmm. can know one of the most beautiful things you can do to show the love of Jesus is when somebody is vulnerable enough mm. and open enough to say, all right, I'm going to move the stone and show you mm. the grave clothes. Yeah. Please do not turn up your nose and go, oh. That's good. But the stink. Mm -hmm. And what helps what should help you to do that is knowing that you got something too. Mm -hmm. You got an issue too. That's mm -hmm. what Galatians says. The, the way I'm able to restore somebody is to remember myself, to remember my struggle, to remember the things I'm fighting through. So I just appreciate you. Yeah. You saying and that and trust the process. Like, yeah, exactly. So, you know, you know I, we got friends that they were uh they came back to the Lord with their partner. And the pastor said, you know, I don't want nobody to touch them, just show them love. And for a whole year, they were dating. They were coming to church together and everything, and everyone loved them. And, and after that year mark, um, they were going to go get married. And the Holy Spirit, like, convicted both of them and said, yeah. we can't do this. Like, I don't know what, it, we just can't mm -hmm. do this. And so that's where the Holy Spirit met them. A year wow, later, some on. people are like, uh, we don't see them changing. What's right. going on? They need to leave if they're not going to mm -hmm. change. And and so they trusted the Holy Spirit to do the work and not them. And God came into that situation. And now they're both, you know, um, running for the Lord. And yeah. um, 
trusting the process, trusting the Lord in that um, is better. And th- th- we carry a lot of stuff that needs healing as well. That's not going to be a tomorrow type right. of thing. Yeah, so absolutely. great. You know, we're carrying stuff that like, I mean, there's, it's a giant, there's so much that goes into that, not just homosexuality, but father wounds, yeah. you know, sexual uh, perversion, you yeah. know, that decades of being with multiple and several men. And then all of a sudden, it's not like a light you could just switch on and yeah. off. And so there has to be a place where that person can get some healing, some discipleship. Because imagine someone telling you two that what you're doing is wrong and now you have to get a divorce. Mm. You love that person. It's like, how do I cope with that? That I've been been in love with these guys. I've been dating these guys. And all of a sudden I have to leave all that life behind Mm -hmm. and start a new one to where everybody thinks I'm a plague in the church. Yeah, it is. No, it just to me, just hearing that, it sounds impossible. Yeah. You know, if we're if we're shunning and you can't do this because you got to fix yourself, and like we we can't fix ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest things is God is a God of process. Yeah. Like yeah. if we were perfect, if we were not sinners, we wouldn't need Savior. Yeah. We need Savior. We desperately need Him. We you still got to keep each other accountable. Yeah, yes. I mean, we got to be real me at a restaurant. Do not look don't make, left. Don't look to your left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, don't look to your left. It makes you want to look left. <laughs> but <then> you're like, <laughs> Yeah. Just don't look, or I'm just, don't look beautiful it. people yeah. twice through yeah. it passes a temptation no. passes through your face okay you saw it yeah. move on like yeah. it's real like yeah. we're human temptations come and go and yeah. I think that's like just men in general and, yeah. like right like all men are um, you know this like have no self-control when it comes to sexual things. You look at every woman, like that whole stereotype. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's what any man has to do. Like, don't, there's a woman walking in you right, right now to my left and she's wearing a short skirt and her boobs are out. Mm-hmm. And so don't look to my left. That's like the same yeah, thing. And yeah, yet yeah. we separate this, like it's something. And it's like, no, we're all struggling right. in different yeah. ways. It's I think that's, the same, and, yeah. and to know that to be tempted is not sin. Come on. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that's I think good. that's huge. I think yeah. so many people feel like yeah. if I, the way I'm praying and the way mm-hmm. I'm coming to church, mm-hmm. I should not have this temptation anymore. And that is a lie. Yeah. I believe that You're for years always, yeah, because yeah. we're, like you said, temptation is, well, temptation is not your identity. It's not who you are. And so the enemy is not going to just cross his hands and say, oh, he came to Jesus. He's right. no longer going to get same-sex attraction temptations. Yeah. Right. And so for the long time, the churches have really painted this picture, especially with people that have come out of this lifestyle, that you're no longer going to be tempted by that. And yeah. it like, puts us up for failure because it's just like, wait, I just, what? And so we have to come to this place where now we have to be taught how to respond to temptation, any temptation that comes. um, I think just talking about that, just, you know, letting people know that, hey, you're not your temptation. And, you know, years from now, still serving the Lord, the enemy is going to throw a dart and you might have to, you know, uh, have you have that temptation how to overcome it mm-hmm. and so i think that's super important because i thought yeah. for a long time i was like man i prayed i fasted i tried to pray the gay away and right. you know well, i think it's it's this, in the same way it's like praying pornography away right pornography is not going anywhere it's yeah. only increasing yeah. we wish it would mm-hmm. or it's like the person that's addicted to food and they're struggling with that food's not going anywhere right. we're, like we're always going to have access to yeah. it but we also have access to the holy spirit and yeah. the fruit of the spirit which mm-hmm. is self-control yeah. and so the power in us 
flees from that. The power of in us shuts the door. The power in us gets in community, connects, prays, and does really warfare of like, yeah. no, we can we can overcome this yeah. because he overcame for us. I think that's the, the biggest thing is often we pray these things away and they're not going to go away. Right. Yeah, yeah. But God has given the spirit in us. He promises yeah. a helper and his name is Jesus. And that's how we overcome. Right. Yeah. And I think that's actually to me what Paul gives so much a light to in first Corinthians chapter six, which is one of the verses that some people try to throw, which is mm-hmm. really for all believers, because mm-hmm. if you're a believer, my body does not belong to me. Yep. It belongs to God. Mm-hmm. But he, he gives us this context that every other sin is outside of your body, but the sexual sin is different in that he's not taking my sexual desire mm-hmm. away. Like I can pray all day. Like I'm going to have that in the same mm-hmm. way, just cause I have That's a proclivity great. towards something doesn't give me excuse to go towards it. Like yeah. we've been married 11 years. Other women didn't get ugly once I got okay. married to her. I, like, <laughs> I got a natural proclivity yeah. to still notice a beautiful woman. Really but let me step David. out and respond to a DM. Okay. Let him step out and respond to a DM. <laughs> and watch what's going to happen. So even no. as a married yeah. man, I have if you're to watching, I believe you. I believe it. You believe it. Okay. We're Good. Spicy. We're saying that all the time. We're just for everybody, especially if you're married. You better have somebody, not even just if you're married, you better have somebody checking your DMs. Mm. It is a dangerous while on top of it. Dangerous. It's a dangerous oh, place good. in which we live in yeah. to just have your DMs wide open yeah. that you can just scroll through in social media. You should have somebody yeah. that has access to go, hey, I saw what they said. That's you better good. not respond. So that's what we say all the time. You don't slide into her DMs, you slide into our DMs. Yeah. You don't slide into mine, you slide into ours because we have that accountability. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I know I still have a natural proclivity mm-hmm. towards a beautiful woman, but I have self-control. I have restraint and I've made a commitment and I made a covenant and mm-hmm. that shows maturity. And so I think just helping mm-hmm. people understand that yeah. is so, is so helpful. It's yeah. not out of sight, out of mind. Right. Exactly. It's like always going to be there. So now let's give people mm-hmm. practical handlebars on how to move forward. Boundaries, yeah. our DMs right. together, yeah. you know, yeah. friend groups. We talk about it. We confess. We don't carry it yeah. alone. Um, those are just practical ways to, yeah. to help anyone overcome mm-hmm. whatever yeah. that may be right so. and that's going to help a lot of people because yeah. we come into people all the time they're like dude i've been going to church and i'm still getting these thoughts yeah this still's happening so obviously it's not obviously god wants me to be this way yeah. and so having to have that conversation behind the pulpit is very super important mm-hmm. you know especially for people that are struggling mm-hmm. with same-sex attraction it's gonna set some people free yeah amen yeah. you know I, I say all the time that you know uh Time is measured in minutes, mm-hmm. but life is measured in moments. You know, we're talking about moments, moments in your childhood where you knew, hey, I have same-sex attraction. But then there's also another moment that I think we have to talk about today that happened in June in 2016 at Pulse Nightclub. Uh, this on record as second deadliest shooting mm-hmm. uh, in the history of this nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, 49 people were murdered, yeah. uh, 53 people uh, were senselessly injured. And I remember seeing the news articles and seeing the reports of what transpired that day. And you two were there and are survivors yeah. of that moment. And I, I think had a huge part of even your story uh, leading up to it and that moment. And I would just love to hear from you, like, what was that like? Because obviously it was, it was tragic for those of us who watched from a distance but what was that like for you and the moments leading up to that that tragic night? 2016 came in. Like, and that year I was 
fed up with like the way that I was living. I was just fed up with everything. And I remember in April of that year, 2016, I was in my room, I was in my bed, I was praying and I said, Lord, I, I'm trying, obviously I can't do it in my own will. I, I, I don't know how to do it in my own strength. I need you to help me. I, I want to come back to you. I want to let go of everything that I have. I just don't know how. And then I prayed and I called this the dangerous prayer. And I said, Lord, allow me to go through whatever I need to go through for me to come back to you. And I don't care what it is. That is a dangerous prayer. Like, I, I want to come back to you. And I forgot about that prayer. I kept on in my life. And um, June 11th, I started to text, uh, you know, uh, and um, I had a friend coming in uh, from out of town, um, got invited to a house party. So I was like, cool, let's do this. Got my outfit, got my bottle. And I went um, uh, to this house party. We were there, we were partying. And um, from there on, we decided to go to Pulse nightclub. And um, we were there, and I'm not going to lie, we had a great time. Like, it is what it is. Like, you danced, you drank, we all had fun. Um, they called last call, and I went to the bar, got my last drink. We came back to the main dance floor, and um, at 2.02 a.m. was when everything changed, was when my life completely changed. I remember I was talking to my group of friends. There were, uh, there were people that were saying their goodbyes already. And out of nowhere, I just hear a loud pop, really loud next to my ear. I see an orange flash. Uh, I remember I jumped, I dropped my drink, and in seconds, I just hear pop, 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 really loud. Uh, and the first thought in my head was run. Mm. Um, I, 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 I turned to my left. I take about two, three steps, and I just start to feel hot taps behind my legs. And at that moment, I, 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 I had fallen to the ground. I hit my face. And in seconds, the club is chaos. All I'm hearing is pop, 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 really loud. In that initial moment when you had, like, you see the flash, are you knowing it's a gunshot in that moment? or just like I, just I didn't know what it was. It, it came out of nowhere. None of us thought. Even think that quick. This was I couldn't think that quick. I just knew it's really loud. It's really hot. I need to run. I don't know what it is. Um, I didn't know if it was um, like a fight and somebody brought a gun to the fight and was trying to shoot the person. Um, you didn't know because this was a small club too, yeah. you know. Um, so the club was in chaos. People are starting to jump over each other. Everyone's trying to leave through the same exit. Um, at that time, I... I tried to get back up even though I knew that I couldn't I was already shot so you were shot I was shot um, in, um, in my legs I was shot and um, I tried to get back up but because everyone's just jumping over each other um, and somebody jumps on me and I remember um, um, I feel them jump on my left leg and over the music over the screams I hear a snap and I remember feeling the most excruciating pain I felt as my leg was being broken now and I felt right back down to the ground and at that moment I, I couldn't do anything I was shot I have a broken leg um, they're starting to go numb all I could do was just cover my head and every time I looked up I could just see bodies just going down one by one uh, uh, this lady um, fell down next to me and um, she was in pain and I 
grab her hand. And I told her, it's, it's going to be okay. Just stay with me. And at this moment, um, I, I hear the shooter outside in the patio. They had a patio. And I hear the shots and screams out in the patio. And I look up and I just see bodies everywhere. And at that moment, I, I, I'm starting to just hit myself, to pinch myself. I'm telling myself, Angel, this is a nightmare. This isn't real. This is not going on. This isn't real. This is a nightmare. And I just kept on doing that until I heard some steps coming in through the door. And I put my head down because I didn't know what was going on. And I just start to hear shots again. But this time they were different. They were slow. And all I could hear is pop, pop, pop. I couldn't understand why it was so slow this time. But I came to realize that now he's getting to shoot everyone that's on the floor. He's making sure that the job is done in that room. And I remember the lady that was there with me, she was screaming and moving. And I, and I tell her, you have to be quiet. You have to stay still. He's coming our way. Pretend you're dead. And I tell myself, Angel, just close your eyes, cover your face, hold your breath. Don't move. Don't twitch. Don't do anything. Just stay there. And I remember I had my hand like that. I was holding her hand with this hand. And I remember I closed my eyes and I hear a loud pop again, just like the first one, close to my ear. I hear pop. And I remember I opened my eyes and I, and I see the body of the lady jump up and down. And I remember her hand lets loose of my hand. And I look at her face and her eyes shut. And in the inside, I'm panicking because never in my life I would have thought I would have seen someone get murdered right in front of my face. Someone that I'm trying to, to comfort because I know that she was in pain. Yeah. And um, he killed her right there. And I'm panicking in the inside. I'm thinking I'm next. He knows I'm alive. I'm holding her hand. I'm trying to stay as still as I can. I'm covering my face and I can feel him there. Like when you feel someone just staring at you yeah. that's what i felt and but it was weird because it was like that for a, a, a long time i can feel him but nothing was happening mm. and i thought to my I, I thought to myself in my head i'm like okay angel well this is a time the lord's giving you to make peace with him because you're going to die right now mm. like you're next he's going to shoot you at this moment and i remember in my head i i started to pray and i started saying lord i'm i'm sorry for living the way that I did. I'm sorry for leaving your side. You never left my side. I chose to push you away. Wow. I'm sorry for that, Lord, but please just take me with you. I'm about to die. And I just kept on praying like that. But nothing was happening still. And I could still feel him behind me. I'm still on the floor. And then something just clicks in my head and t tells me, change your prayer. Hmm. And I felt like there was spiritual warfare going on right there on top of me. And in my prayer, I was like, wait, no, Lord, I'm not leaving here dead today. I'm leaving here alive. And I started to prophesy over my life wow. in my head. I started saying, Lord, you, 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 you promised me things that haven't been fulfilled. So that means I'm leaving here alive today. You promised my mom that her baby had, had promises, had purpose in his life that haven't been fulfilled. So I'm leaving here alive today. And I just kept on prophesying over my life. I kept on saying, Lord... I'm going to leave here alive and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to testify of what, you, what you're going to do in my life. I was like, I promise, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do this. And I just kept on prophesying. 
And the moment that I said amen in my head, I said amen, and right there I hear a loud pop. I hear pop, and I feel my body jump up and down. I feel heat in my midsection, um, and I realize that he's shooting me all over again. And I see black, and I thought to myself, Angel, you're dead. You're dead. Um, And I hear him walking away, going into the other room, and I hear shots. And I open my eyes, and all I could think at that moment was like, Lord, thank you. It was like if that prayer gave me the strength to not move, to not twitch, um, shooting me all over again. And, you know, um, all I could do at that moment was thank the Lord. And and at that moment, I see some lights uh, coming through the door, and it was the police. They were trying to come in quietly through the side. Because um, they could hear the shots in the other room, and they ask if anyone is alive. And I raise my hands, and I, um, um, they come to me, and I, and I ask them, hey, can you carry me? I can't walk. I can't feel my legs. And he's like, I can't carry you. It's a procedure, uh, but I can drag you out of here because there's bodies all, all, all over the floor. And I told him, do whatever you have to do. Just please get me out of here. And I remember at the moment he grabs me, he flips me over and he starts to run. And I remember just feeling a mix of emotions, uh, relief that I'm being taken out of there. But at the same time, I'm scared thinking he's going to hear us. He's going to come right back in the room and start shooting again. And at the same time, I feel pain because I'm being dragged over the glass that's on the floor so I can feel the glass cutting my legs open at the same time. But I'm Telling him, run, run, just get me out of here. And, you know, by the grace of our God, I'm here today walking with no cane. And, um, you know, I was shot. Um, The doctor told me, because they didn't know in the beginning, because they were all broken, all the bullets. um, It went from three to four to five to uh, to six uh, shots, um, approximately, that he received. So it's still not even, like, sure how many. But he said, you know, with the amount of, you know, fragments that we see, it's approximately six times that you were shot and I could just thank the Lord at that moment that, that he told me that because there were people that died that were shot once right yeah you know and it was it was it was it was a lot yeah. it was a lot that happened in that and um but it's so crazy that the, and the house party that I went to I actually crashed into Luis also, oh, you guys. Met so each I other knew Luis already night. before. Okay, got you. Yeah, wow. and I crashed into oh, him wow. at the house party um, <laughs> wow. before going out. Man, and I was like, "What are you doing here? It's so crazy!" And you know, I look at us. Gosh, yeah. yeah. This is, I mean, nobody can write a story the way God can write a story. Mm-hmm. So even first of all, to hear that there was a connection before mm-hmm. this moment. Man, just hearing you tell that two moms praying, yeah, two mom, yeah, From two mamas. His praying. mom is a prayer world warrior as well. But I'm, I'm just listening to you. First of all, just realizing I'm sitting in the middle of two miracles. But even just to hear how you responded in that moment, like none of us know how we're going to respond mm-hmm. more in a tragic moment. But to even hear that your first response, first, is to reach out to somebody else who's mm-hmm. in the same situation that you're in. And then to go from prayer to prophesying yeah. over yourself, to me, just reminds me that whatever God puts on your life is always on yeah. your life. Yeah. And it's going to show up when you go through the fire and you yeah. go through the testing. And what you did in that nightclub, you're still doing today, pulling people mm-hmm. and comforting people 
that are in the same situation you were and prophesying yeah. over another generation mm -hmm. as to who their true identity is. And I'm just, man, I'm just blown away by your story and the miracle that, that both of you are. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But I want to hear from you too, Luis, because yeah, yeah. That's, that connection alone mm -hmm. is something to know that y'all knew each other before. So I was a hot mess. I was drinking. I was doing drugs. I was transitioning out of the army. and But I always remember my mama praying and calling me up and and saying, you going to church this Sunday? And I'm like, mama, I haven't been going to church Sundays for the last <laughs> couple of years. But she was faithful in calling me every Sunday. So, But she kept faithful. You know, she believed in the word, you know, and she believed in my uh, who God called me to be and not what situation I was in. I remember going to the mall one day and seeing two of my friends and they were just like, hey, are you going to Pulse? I told them yes. I said, you know what, I'm going to go. And I ended up um, getting ready. It was my birthday weekend. And my mom calls and she says, I had a dream. And I was like, oh, no, this can't be good. <laughs> mom dreams. Right, yeah. No, yeah. Exactly. And so <laughs> you imagine, like, I haven't been out with my friends for a yeah. whole year. I, have, I, I took everybody out of the picture. It was just me at church. And so for her to have a dream, and I'm struggling really hard at this time yeah. after two friends invited me to Pulse, and she's just telling me, in, in this dream, God shows me that you're at a nightclub. There's blood everywhere, all over your clothes, and you're running for your life. And then she's just, just telling me, please be careful. Like, I, I had this dream, and it seems so real. So what are you thinking in that moment when your mom tells you that? Like, oh, come on, mom, whatever. Or you're like... I start laughing because... <laughs> I start laughing because my mom's the type of person they would call you to scare you to go back to church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, mom, I'm, you know, and she knows I came back to the Lord and all that. And I'm like, mom, everything's okay. Don't worry. You know, yeah, but a mom knows. Yeah. A mom knows. And so um, I just, you know, she was like, please don't laugh. Like, you know, I'm praying about this. I'm asking people to pray because it's, I feel this more real than ever. Wow. And then she tells me that her and my sister were grieving that whole week. It felt like someone was dying and they didn't know what to, what language to put on it. It just felt like something, you know, and they were crying and praying. And uh, so two days before I go out to the club, a guy comes into the, to the church and he starts prophesying and he calls me to the front and he starts saying, I, I hear shots being fired. I see you running for your life. And um, then he starts prophesying and he was like, I'm going to switch it up because I'm not a doom and gloom type of person. But then he starts saying, I'm seeing you in legislation. I'm seeing you with pastors that have been seasoned for years. I see you giving them language and, and sharing. And, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, he must got the wrong person because <laughs> I don't know politics. I don't know. You know what I mean? And I just don't see that. And, and so... I grew up in the church, you know, and so yeah. I've seen people prophesy, prof you know Come what on. I mean? And, yeah, and yeah. But, um, but going back to the story, it was last call for alcohol and I was dancing with some friends and I was pretty tipsy. And um, I hear what I thought was fireworks. Um, we live in Orlando, Florida, and we're used to mm -hmm. Disney and Universal throwing yeah. out fireworks at a certain time. So I thought that's what it was. And he was just like, no, it's, they're pretty loud. And right at that instant, I see the shooter right in front of me. And I remember the, the smell of the gun smoke. I remember the lightning flash off the muzzle. I mean, it happened so fast. I was so tipsy that I was just like, and being in the military, nothing trained me or prepared me mm. for what was about to happen. Yeah. 
And so um, everyone's running and screaming. People are running into the restrooms trying to hide. People are jumping over the bar. Like, and I turn around and I see blood everywhere. There, you know, um, the guys that invited me to the club from the mall, they jumped in front of me and got shot. His, uh, his boyfriend jumped in front of him. And so he's, you know, the, before they got shot, I remember him shaking me and saying, run. And I start running and I go through this door. It's a small door. Imagine everyone in this room trying to get through this small door. And finally I got out and ran around the whole patio to try to kick a fence open so that we can escape. Um, and we're kicking the door, the fence open, and finally we get it open and my leg gets stuck and, I, and it twists and I fall on the floor and I'm in pain. I'm like, it hurt, I can't even walk. And when I look to the right, there's a door open where the shooter is and you see like, the only thing I knew how to do was to pick up my phone to call mom and dad and to tell them that I'm sorry and I love them because I felt like I was gonna die. And so I pick up the phone and my mom's like, hello? And then my phone dies. And so my heart is like, this is it. You know, like you said, some of us, like, I didn't pray. You know, I didn't have that. I was on survival mode, you know. I didn't have that opportunity to be like, Lord, help me. Um, And out of nowhere, a guy comes into the club and he picks me up. And he walks me over to the 7-Eleven across the street where he sats me down. And uh, I'm still looking for the dude. Don't know who the dude is. To this day. Uh, To this day. Wow. I don't know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I remember the, just sitting there hearing the shots being fired. I mean, this guy was loaded. So he was still shooting he was when still you got shooting. picked up and yeah. taken. You hear people screaming, all stuff. So it was go- I was sitting down there like, where are the cops? Where are the paramedics? And then finally they start showing up a little later. Yeah. Um, and then I find out that where I was exiting from, the, the shooter had a car parked right there with bombs inside of it. So at any moment, me trying to escape out of there, he could have detonated that. But I believe because I had a praying mom and dad that never gave up, I'm here today. Not a lot of people, you know what I mean? And it's it's a miracle, you know? And I get an opportunity to live again. And and so um, a couple days later, we find out that we get, I get an email saying, please go get checked because all the, a lot of the survivors, Unfortunately, died with HIV. And so I go to the clinic and I'm grieving. A lot of stuff's happening. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, like, I feel weird, you know? I, I don't know what, what's happening in my body. I'm thinking it's the grieving process, but if it's more stronger than that, I start getting sick. And so I remember asking the guy at the clinic to do, to take the test. And he took the test. I came out positive. Then he did it again. I made him do it three times. And he was like, dude, I need you to sit down. I hate this about my job, but you're HIV positive. Yeah. I remember falling to the floor and just, I was just like rock bottom, like what? Because I, I started to get cold after, it's, it's funny that, cause Angel says the process happened right after, mm-hmm. same as for me, um, after the shooting. Um, Cause I didn't think I'd ever get HIV. You know, I was sexually promiscuous, it's obvious, you know, but I, to me, for some reason, I thought that that couldn't get me, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and just, I remember going to the room screaming and crying to the Lord and just saying, I'm a gay man. Like, what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. I've tried to pray the gay way. I'm an abomination in your eyes. You know, I'm just angry. Yeah. And I'm crying and, and I'm on the floor. And I remember just getting up and, and I feel a wind come into my room. 
And I feel like a whisper in my ear saying, it's not a gay to straight thing. It's a loss to save thing. Yeah. I want all of you, wow. not just your sexuality. Come on. And that's when I started reading the word by myself in my room. I had no altar call experience. It was just me and the Lord in the room. And then in there, he said, okay, now I need you to go find a church. I need you to go find, sit with a pastor, get discipled. And yeah, I'm, I just remember just crying out in the shower and saying, Lord, like, what, how do I do this? Like, where do I go from here? I, I don't know what I'm, like, there's so much going on, you know, so many yeah. questions. Mm -hmm. And I hear the Lord come into the room again, into the, uh, to the shower. And I hear you haven't forgave yourself for the shooter. Mm. And I remember just repenting and just, Lord, forgive me, you know, forgive me of everything that I've done. Like I come to you almost like doing my own uh, salvation prayer and just, yeah. which is crazy. And, and, and then from there, um, I did a post on Facebook and I wrote everything. I just felt like, you know, and it was real hard for us to do because we were so connected to the uh, Pulse nightclub. We were now Pulse heroes, yeah. you know, being asked to speak all over. We are just like, I had a love, a bigger love towards them because we've been through something, yeah. you know? And so becoming a Christian, that was super hard because I knew I had to choose. Yeah. And so, yeah. and, and, and I was trying to marry them together more of the affirming side yeah. than yeah. what the truth of the gospel uh -huh. really says. Wow, and so on. that was an, a wrestle. Yeah. Um, Cause they're good people, yeah. right. you know, beautiful people that we still love to this day. Yeah. And um, when I did my post, I, I I just put it aside. I said I no longer identify as LGBTQ. I identify myself as his son, as a son of God. Yeah. Yeah. I am HIV positive. I forgive the shooter. I forgive everyone involved. Like I went in, yeah. and wow. I my sister calls me and she's like, I need you to check your phone and. I'm like, oh no, what happened? Because I have friends and family and I just, I just told everybody, the world, that I have HIV and, and like that I'm no longer identifying. People that didn't really know my story and stuff. And mm -hmm. so um, it goes viral. Wow. It goes viral and I have news people calling me like all over, NBC, all over just writing articles, crazy articles about the whole survivor that's no longer identified as LGBTQ. Wow the LGBT turned their backs on me from being the Pulse nightclub hero to like this homophobic, like wow. conversion therapy. I'm like, homophobic? You better ask some of my ex-boyfriends <laughs> if I was homophobic. And so it, it just, it really, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, now choose a side. Like, I love you and I want what's good for you. And in that moment, um, I felt like, like I gave my heart to him, like, you know, and that's where Fearless Identity, our, our ministry actually got birthed out of through persecution and through God's love yeah. into our identity as sons. Yeah. And so now, you know, that, that was super hard because now I get to see persecution in a whole different light. But right. you would think that someone would get bitter. And it was God's grace and his love that I actually started to fall in love with this community. Really? Where I got to see the love in, in the LGBTQ, gay people, lesbians, like the transgender, you know, and, and I see them and it just, my heart pumps for them because their stories and their souls that, that Jesus wants as well. You know what I mean? His heart and desires to see that community come into revival. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah. I think that's interesting that you said that, that like once you made that public statement, then the LGBTQ they then shunned you. And yeah. I think it's like 
sometimes you'll hear that that's what the church does. But then all of a sudden, when you just make a statement, not to criticize them, not in a, in a rude yeah. way or mean way, it's like you felt the call of God. And now yeah. all of a sudden they're doing the very mm-hmm. thing that usually, yeah. you, you know, that, that I think the church is accused of. And I think it's an yeah. interesting dynamic. Love is not love. Love actually turned into war when that happened. Wow. And so for a, a community that's very inclusive, for a community that says that, you know, we don't care what you identify, whatever the case. Exactly. When I decided to identify with the cross, Man. it declared war. Yeah. And so God in that midst allowed me to make a decision. And through my public declaration to the Lord, I was testifying in the Hebrew. Uh, testimony means to do it again yeah. and empower. And so we are asking through our testimonies, Man. through our stories, God, will you do it again? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so, like I said, it would turn someone bitter when you think about it, you know. Yeah. I remember even in the month of June just seeing everyone just being so mean to the community God. in the name of God, in the name of church, and, and just all these crazy memes and sharing in them. And I'm like, man, where's the goodness of God that leads a man to repent in this? Where is the love that Gosh. we talk about over the cross? But we've used this moment to just declare war. The church has declared war on the LGBTQ. The LGBTQ has declared war on the church. Like, how are we going to win? But God is raising up some rainbow people that love Jesus and that no longer identifies and is going to bring revival. I actually want to say something just because I think the reality is, is that people run the church and we're all, we're not perfect, right? So even as pastors and leaders, we're, we're not perfect. And so if those, the individuals that are watching, they do come and they do open up and maybe a pastor fails them or they don't handle them the right way. I personally, we can speak to that, but want to apologize for the church not navigating this topic well. Now, not everyone doesn't like, doesn't navigate it well. I think everyone's doing their best and we're all learning and growing. But if there's someone watching, which is highly possible that you were hurt by a pastor or leader. Maybe you came forward for help and someone shamed you, made you feel guilty, and they made you want to run away from the church and never come back. From pastors to you, we just want to say, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we just want to say, we're so sorry. You know, but I pray that you don't, um, that feeling that you felt, you don't now run away from Jesus because Jesus is the perfect one. He's the blameless one, right? And I, th- I want to tell you to give it another shot. Yeah, you know, yeah. give it another shot. It's almost like I've heard people be like, oh, no, I don't do therapy because I had one crazy therapist and, like, I ain't never going back. And I'm like, no, 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 try it again. Yeah. Like, try it again because I know my therapist changed my life. And so I don't want the enemy to use that as a trick to make you stop coming because one person failed you right. because we are people and every church has people. And so it's going to be imperfect. So I want to tell that person, don't give up just because maybe one person failed you or the next. Keep trying because that's what God is pursuing and the enemy is also pursuing. Can you testify to that? The enemy is also pursuing, right? But um, give it another chance, you know? Man, man, man. What um, What does life look like now, the aftermath, you know? Yeah. of all that because one of the themes of today has been like hey it is not a moment it is a journey it was a process it wasn't like that afterwards it it took it took a while talking to the Lord and be like Lord I still have these temptations I'm still going through this I went through this tragedy I'm alive but I'm I'm trying to change and you're not changing me I'm doing everything that I can and just this one day just like Louise I was in my room and I broke down and I said, Lord, I I don't want to fight with you anymore. 
I know that the things I'm doing is not your will. It's not the right way. I know this is not the way that you want me to live, especially after this tragedy. And I said, Lord, I want to live my life for you. And I said, I'm not going to fight with you anymore. I give you my life. I give you my struggles. Mm -hmm. I give you my temptations. I surrender to you. But not only that, take everything. Yeah. I don't even, you own my life. Just do whatever yeah. you need to do. Take it all. And at that moment, uh, the Holy Spirit said, Angel, that's all he wanted. Yeah. He wanted everything of you. Because mm -hmm. we just tend to get so focused on our sexuality. Lord, make me straight. I don't want to talk like this. I want to dress like this. I want to do that. When in reality, there's so much more in the heart that needs to be restored. Right. Yeah. You know, I've, so I've come to know now, me getting to heal from things that didn't have anything to do with my sexuality has actually brought me more transformation yeah. in my sexuality. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with that. Come on. You know, but we just have this focus, like it happens in the church, we have this focus of, why are you gay? Okay, now let's do this with you, let's do that. And there's just so much more that needs to be brought up. Could you yeah. give like one example of what yeah. you mean? Like yeah, like for example, m my family, they were always praying for me, you know, to come back to the Lord, to be straight, and they completely overlooked that I was addicted to cocaine. Mm. They had no idea Man. because just this sexuality thing is just the top. Right, thing, exactly. You know, and yeah. there's just so so much more in our hearts that has to be restored yeah. in, in order to really give your full life to the Lord. Uh -huh. You know, and at that moment, I I I, I did that. I was like, Lord, I, I like this, but I'm going to give it to you because I know it's not your will. Man. You know, and we have to do those things. Like, I think it's a greater sacrifice when you say, Lord, don't take it away. I give it to I you. Give it to Man, you. I like nice. this. My flesh wants oh, this. That's so great. I would love to keep this because yes. it's what makes me happy. But I, it's not. I know it's not good for me. Man, so I give it, I give to, it to you. You. you know. And now I see it as because it says it on Romans twelve. It's actually the highest form and true proper mm -hmm. worship. worship. Come on. Man. Is when, when we sacrifice our bodies for yes, him. Yes, absolutely. Like, and, and now, like the way I see it, it's something beautiful that I can give to the Lord. Like yeah. we're really giving him the highest form of worship that we yeah. can ever give absolutely. to the Lord. Yeah. We're grateful for y'all. I'm telling, I could so go another two hours grateful. just talking <laughs> because my faith is being infused with so much of what God has put on the inside of y'all to like be bold, to be brave, to know that all of us have something that we have to lay down, that God mm -hmm. doesn't want pieces of us. He wants every mm -hmm. bit of us. And that's mm -hmm. a call that we all have. Mm -hmm. and if we could just start that journey. I'm thinking of somebody right now that's battling all the things with, but Lord, I, am I going to have to give this up? I don't know how to become straight. Like, don't start with that. Just start with going, God, I give you everything. Yeah. And start pursuing him yeah. and he'll take you on the journey. And so, yeah. man, thank you. Thank you for your story. Tell us about Rainbow Revival, though. Tell us about the rainbow, yeah, so, especially the marches that you guys yeah. have been doing. Yeah, so cities. doing everything that we do as Fearless Identity, we've been able to meet others mm -hmm. that have come out of the lifestyle. And um, we've gotten to meet friends that now, us together, we do a freedom march. Uh, so that's an event where we share 10 to 12 testimonies of people that have come out of the lifestyle. Yeah. And um, we have worship in between. And uh, at the end, we have an altar call. We have baptisms if you want to share on that yeah it, it's been super beautiful um we go into the inner cities we pick a city that you know we all get together we pray and most of the times someone will reach out and say we want to do this in our city mm. and so for dallas we've actually been trying to come back to the or come here but there's just been this no 
Mm. And we've just been waiting. So we've had other cities and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like, there's been just so much prophetic on this hour that we've just, the pastors have called us up and said, we think it's time. It's time to do one at Clyde Warren Park. And so where there's been history of Jesus people on that land, even before the highway was built, it's Mm -hmm. just so super prophetic that we're there, what, 50 or I don't even know how long later, but we're there now sharing testimonies of people that have come out of the lifestyle. So we really feel that God is doing something and is a great place. Um, we've seen the churches unite. And so this is uniting the body of Christ. Like church. has been awesome. Yes, yeah, absolutely. The and the people we've met. I mean, I mean that's yeah. why Dallas is your favorite city. That's, yeah. your, that's why you're moving to Dallas, remember? Okay. Yep. <laughs> no, so yeah, it's, it's it's been, I mean, the stuff that, I know you might not hear it on social media or 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 the news, but there are people surrendering their lives to Jesus. You, Jesus. Bob Jones, before he passed away, gave a prophetic word of a hundred thousand that would come out of the LGBT and that would bring a revival that the churches have never seen before. Wow. And so we're believing for that a hundred thousand. We're seeing that in numbers. I mean, people are surrendering their lives. They're saying, "I don't know how this journey is going to look like, but I say yes to now." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, we've been able to partner and journey with them. And we're seeing a turnaround in the churches like never before. These kids are really being confronted with this issue. And so to hear this, because that was, that was one of my desires growing up. Like that's, I was like, please, like someone preach this behind the pulpit with love and truth, not yeah. just the mean part. You know what I mean? Like yeah. share it so they know silence and i feel like we're doing a disservice we are legalizing sin for a generation when we compromise and keep it quiet in the pulpit wow you know we got a prophetic word before it was even a church it was called social night and Mm -hmm. the prophetic word was that um there would be many that were coming Mm -hmm. um that were struggling with their identity they would feel safe and come to social Mm -hmm. and they were sitting in in you know at gillies actually specifically gillies and um, so I just remember hearing that and longing for that. I want people. I, I was in hair cosmetology school for a year, um, and I had so many friends that I identified as gay. And it's funny at first because I just always loved Jesus. And I remember at first being like, I love Jesus. This is Taylor. This is who I am. And they'd be like, oh, you know, but by the end of it, they were coming to church with me. Yeah. And I would sit in the yeah. parking garage and have four-hour conversations with them. And all I did was just love them. Like, I was never – I've never been like, uh, with that. I've just mm-hmm. been like, okay, cool, like – come with me. I love you. God loves you, you know, and calling people higher. And so now sitting in the pastor seat, you know, it's like, I want social to be the place where people come like, and not just identifying as that, but it's like, whatever, whatever your sin is, whatever, you're not too far gone. That's my Mm -hmm. testimony. My, I'm not necessarily, I've never struggled with that, but I had other struggles and I once was broken and lost and Mm -hmm. confused and dirty. And God called me higher. People called me higher. And it was in his presence that I was transformed. So we, we want to be that place. So I think this is even just a prophetic moment Absolutely. over our church, over our house that they, you're, you're, they're coming, they're sitting right now on the other side of the screen, whether yeah, they're driving in the yeah. car or they're in their bathrooms and they're now feeling the love of God and hope that if God did it hmm. for them, he can do yes. it for me. And just this message is just such an anointing on this message on your lives to see what you walked through, to see how you overcame, see how you're overcoming. It's We just believe in this so much. This yeah. is the gospel, Absolutely. you know? And so I just, I'm so humbled. I'm so honored. I've never been more honored, I feel like, than to sit in a room with two people, heroes. Um, it, I'm just, I'm blown away, honestly. Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time today. I feel like Mm -hmm. 
this is the heartbeat of this series. Like God's not called us really to change people, but to love them and let him do the changing. And I think this conversation is, is starting, starting that. And we love that y'all are in the great city of Dallas yeah. that you're moving. Yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> we're, we're also moving so honored yeah. that you guys are having this conversation yeah. because in our journey, we've had doors shut in our faces. We've had churches and pastors say, Hey, we're not here. You know, and so for you guys to have this, for you guys to invite us here, you're opening, you're inviting people to a safe place where they'll see change and it'll flip Dallas upside down. Yeah, Yeah, for God's kingdom. So thank you so much. We're so honored for that. We're with y'all 100%, even beyond this moment. And I just want to end, um, Luis, if you could just in prayer, I'm thinking about the person that's been watching the whole time and already God's doing something in their heart. Um, Could you just pray? uh, Absolutely. Pray us out. Uh, Before I pray, I I just want to like let whoever's listening know that they're not alone. I thought I was alone for so many years. And so, Father, we just thank you for this invitation to invite us to your heart, to what's on your heart right now for this hour. I thank you for the pastors, the churches that are that you are raising up in love and truth and becoming a safe place for this harvest of rainbow people, Father, that are coming in. We partner with the prophetic word, God, of a hundred thousand and more LGBT people come into the realization of the cross. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in Dallas, Texas. I thank you for what you're doing in all these churches. You're uniting your bride. Oh, Father, we say yes to revival. We thank you for the person struggling with same-sex attractions. God, I pray that every word that we spoke today was yours. And Father, that you would reach the hearts today. Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. In this hour, I thank you, Lord, that you've turned our mess into a message and you're about to do the same with so many others that are listening. I thank you for the moms and dads that have been praying for years. Father, I pray and I decree and declare that prodigals will come home. We call them back home, God. And and so I thank you, Lord, for that harvest of prodigals, Lord. I I pray that you would fortify the faith of the mom and dad today, Lord, as they pray. Some might be wanting to give in the towel and to affirm, but I pray, Lord, that they would stand like a city on a hill, that they would remain the light so that when their children are going through dark times and dark places, they would turn and run to the light. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this podcast, Lord, for for what they're doing here, Lord. We believe in it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. That concludes our week two of God Loves Blank. God Loves LGBTQ. And uh, hope you know that God loves you, that we love you. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next Sunday. Yeah. We'll continue the series at Gillies, mm-hmm. 9 and 1130. Till then. God bless. Yeah.